Yes. Well, it's Vision Builders. We've attended Sydney Vision Builders down at Darlinghurst because we are believing for Sydney um, C3 God in the city to have their own building one day. And I tell you what, they've got to move mountains for that to happen. But we believe in our testimony of our story, five years fighting with the council, they were saying no, no, no. And then you just keep moving forward, Red Sea's open. And then uh, that was um, 2002, uh, the council said, yes, uh, we're giving you a, a DA, no, a, a CC, uh, to build a place of worship on, on, on this piece of ground, which is the last piece of large property on the central coast, I believe, that can be purchased uh, for the church. So that's because of people that believed in the principles and the power of vision, amen. And so I, I think it was about, because of the 2008 GFC, um, we, we were doing it hard, man. We are paying $14,000 a month mortgage. Uh, we'll do, we'll, but we were beating that thing down, man. We beat that thing down by 300000 in uh, three years, I think. Uh, but we'd gotten ourselves in a, in a, in a predicament whereby NAB Bank, uh, the, the building, the, the tall building in Sydney, the guys in there, 10 stories up, I found myself in there with our then uh, bookkeeper, and we traveled down there 10 stories up with about six people around this big table, taking myself to task about, you know, our ability to be able to pay this uh, mortgage that we had, which was only at that time 900000 uh, But you know what? It was amazing. It's the story of the Red Sea. Uh, it is very much the story of the Red Sea because, see, God could have led God's people around the long way, and it could have been a lot easier. And, but the God's people were released from captivity, from that tyrannical state. Pharaoh is a type of Satan, and they're backed up against the Red Sea. Uh, Moses is the deliverer. He's heard from God. He's had a burning bush experience like Julie and I had in 2003, where we were just this dutiful family attending church. I used to push a pram. Julie was the public figure with a Christian dance school, and that used to do all the outreach that seemingly appeased this calling in our life. And we would do outreaches with the dance school, and uh, that dance school is still, because legacy is about, is about this, your work, your, your investment continuing on through the generations. So Julie's dance school that she started in 1988 and handed over in 94, I think, 96, uh, that is still going in five places on the Central Coast. Can you give Pastor Julie a hand clap for starting that? She bucked the trend of what Christian dance was. At that time, you were literally like you just had material all over. You couldn't see the body. And you just did these things with flags. And Julie says, it's got to be better than that. Uh, it's got to be better than that. But the religious spirit came against us. You can't show the body. You can't show the lines of the body. That's that ah, in the church. But Julie was actually the first one the first one that introduced contemporary dance into the church because in the dark ages, they removed all this stuff. And so progressively, we've been retrieving the, the, the arts back into the church. Do you know what I'm saying? So the performing arts, the dancing, the, the, you know, the musicianship, the artwork. Thank you, Katrina. And so but being backed up against that Red Sea, God, the Bible says... Um, that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why did you do that? Make it so hard. Why did you give us COVID? Why are you giving us all this stuff? Why can't you make it easier? Because this is the story. God's people were backed up against the Red Sea. Couldn't go left, couldn't go right. Can't go back. They're going to get massacred. But guess what? The lesson was go forward. Moses cried out. He's in dire straits. He's got his people complaining, God, what are we to do? And God says, in the Word of God, read this, why are you crying out to me? Go forward. Use what's in your hand. He lifts his staff up and red seas open when you go forward. Amen? And so I go back to the 10th story in the NAB building in Sydney. Six people being very matter-of-fact with me. 
Seats Ray Tugger are there in a spot of bother, you know. I said, well, yeah, man, it's been hard times, 2008, GFC, and we've been doing well, but And, um, and uh, they all seemingly had a change of heart that we should continue on uh, in our endeavor to try and go forward with the vision of this church. Well, the miracle is, and I could tease that story out magnificently because one of the guys pulled me over uh, me to the side and said, well, you know, it's very hard for the bank to shut the church down. That wouldn't look good, would it? But um, I said, well, it wouldn't. But, you know, he said, no, look, it'll be all right. Keep, keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. And, uh, you know what I mean? Something like that. And so we came back and supernaturally in one meeting, we raised $90,000 because we realized we'd had to make amends of our situation. Uh, to be honest, I didn't think it was in the people. I thought, man, we've been doing hard yards all this time. But you know what? We did this meeting, and guess what? $92,000. People were trading in their shares. One guy had BHP shares. He said, you know what? Uh, I just think so much of this. I'm trading those shares in, sold those, and other people did crazy stuff and, and, and just gave. And that is what we do on the altar. We sacrifice, and we didn't build a building just to have meetings, we built an altar where we could come with our worship this morning, which was fantastic, and where we come with our tithes and offerings and the sacrifice of our heart, and we come to the altar like Katrina, and Roger did, Roger's standing there, he's just beside himself, he's unraveling right before me, I'm going, my God, and Katrina resplendent comes down that aisle, and he is just going, my God, you are so good, and Lord, you are so good, giving us C3 Tugger a vision, amen? So I want to, I want to uh, give you some, just quickly, because I only have 10 minutes, and I'm going to ask um, Jilly to come up. But this is about vision builders, and it's what we do every year, because without vision, you perish. Another version says, says you dwell carelessly. Another version says, you go wild. You just spend your money on any crazy stuff, and you, you do crazy stuff to your, to your life, to your, to your body, and you just got no vision. And uh, I was telling the guys in the prayer meeting, I have vision to stay healthy because I have a vision to go to Austria one day and walk across the, the hills are alive with a sound. I want to walk because there's a great uh, walk there across those mountains. And I have a vision to do that. And also Snowdini in Wales where I was born. I definitely want to do that. Thank you, Lord. Technology has really been He's under the weather, and uh, we've been just at the coal face with a lot of good causes this, this week. It's taken its toll. Father, I bless everyone listening to us. We're live on Facebook, and uh, everyone that couldn't make it in this house and people where they are in their homes, we pray the power of God's Spirit, Lord, to eradicate every disease, every virus, every germ every malady of ill health. Lord, we pray the power of God to come into those rooms, into the hearts and repair and recover the bodies of your precious creation, the children of God, the people of God, your people, Lord God, need healing. Lord, we pray that their eyes would be opened. And the Bible says the anointing is upon us that eyes would be opened. That's what Jesus said when he walked into the synagogue and he read this scripture and it was a a prophetic fulfillment. The Spirit, Jesus says, walks into the synagogue and says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and, here it is, and recovery of sight for the blind. Father, those people that can't see vision for their own life, for their children's life, for their business, can't see vision for their, for their church, help me guys, right now, I pray scales are falling off your eyes right now to see a preferred future of that which God has for you because you have destiny, you're born for a purpose, God's purpose is in you and because of that, you have been assigned and you have been anointed to live out your life in the adventure of faith of faith, of accessing all that God has put in your story and on the horizon of your life. May your eyes be opened personally and corporately and may the anointing do that to release you, the, to release the oppressed 
and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let me give you some statements about, and this is how we've built this church. These are godly principles from Miles Munro. The book that I have of his, The Power and the Principles of Vision, is my personal encyclopedia of vision. It's the most wonderful resource. And I will quote him just to give you some understanding what vision is. And then I'll tell you one more story about going forward from the Bible. Vision is the source and hope of life. Some of these might come up. Uh, we have, sh- and of course, we've shared these, these principles over the years, so I need to just get them out to the people who have not been here uh, and have only just joined us of late. You are not meant for a mundane or mediocre life. Can you say amen to that? Who wants to live a mediocre or mundane life? Not me. I want to see Red Seas open in my life. The only thing that will satisfy you is when you're born to do what you were meant to accomplish, something that no one else in the world can do. Can you say amen? Maybe you were born to be part of C3 Tugra to help us go forward and see Red Seas open to build the church and to do all that we do. Amen. The vision is the key to life because where there's a dream, there's hope. And where there is hope, there's faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things not yet seen. Amen? Visionary, this is another great statement. I love this. Vision is the primary motivator of human action. Therefore, everything we do should be because of the vision God has placed in our hearts. At the moment, I have a lot of vision to play golf. I'm not at the golf course, although I was yesterday with Julie marrying Katrina and Roger. And those balls, I could hear them pinging off the clubs. And I'm trying to do this ceremony. And it's triggering me. You know certain sounds trigger you? That, you know, some of you like marvel and you hear a bit of marvel and you go, where's, oh, I've got a fire. You know, what's that about? Is Iron Man still alive or is he really dead? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Um, There's things that you see and they motivate you. And I say, personally, I will concede that golf really motivates me. And... The Bible, not the Bible, but this statement backs that up by saying vision is the primary motivator of human action and therefore everything we do should be because of the vision God has placed in our hearts. Vision is the juice of life. It's the the secret source, you could say, of life. It is the prerequisite for passion and the source of persistence. This is why we persist. I persist with my health. I persist with my teeth. my, My family mock me sometimes because I go to the dentist all the time, but I'm persisting to keep these teeth because I like chewing on both sides. Amen? Who can amen to that? And if you don't have vision for your teeth, I'm sorry. There is miracles still available. He's been filling teeth, hasn't he, Pastor Julie, with gold, gold fillings? When you have vision, you know how to stay in the race and complete it. Your vision determines your destiny. And if you do that, you can arrive on judgment day and give an account for your life. Did my best. Belonged to a church, C3 Tugger. They were going forward. They were doing a lot of great stuff. Well done, faithful servant. Go on in. When you can see what is possible and believe that it can come to pass, it makes you capable of doing the impossible. Anyone who's known this church for any number of years know that we have done the impossible. Can I get an amen? It's a marvelous story. The Katrina and Roger story, marvelous story. You just got to read behind the scene. The greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. Nothing noble or noteworthy on earth was ever done without vision, folks. No invention, development, or great feat was ever accomplished without the inspiring power of the mysterious source called vision. Vision is the key to unlocking the gates of what was and what is to propelling us into the land that could be and has not yet been. Vision sets you free from the limitations of what the eyes can see and allows you to enter into the liberty of what the heart can feel. It is vision that makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. Vision doesn't try to recapture the good old days. Rather, it desires to create days that have not yet existed. 
guys, I have, I have another part of the vision, and a lot of people would know this. I want to put a, re, um, a, a film studio up there because online, online presentation we do well. And I want to put a film studio above those two offices, and then I want to carry a mezzanine right over to the other side. I want offices up there, a green room up there. We're not finished yet, guys. Vision doesn't try to recapture the old days. Said that when you keep company with God, you have to keep moving. A clear vision gives us a passion and keeps us continually moving forward in life. Your vision should be something that lives after you're gone. Isn't it great that we've built something that's going to be here after we're gone, Shane? I love that. Who built that part? Oh, this guy, apparently. The Shane Hutchinson. He, he was the, the, the builder, the architect of some of this stuff. Yeah, and then there was this Flannery guy and, you know, the Cairns people and the, these people, the Phillipses. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Proverbs 19.21 says, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. And this is the, the next, who, who got the video uh, and the, the newsletter of Vision Builders in the email? Did you get that? There was eight minute vision. Be careful, it could go into the junk box. Uh, what do we call it, Jilly? It was a, a, an email of Vision Builders and there was an eight minute video in there. Please watch that. There's a lot of, it's pr- basically what I spoke last week. But this is my scripture to finish off. Uh, If we could have that up, John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, uh, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. Say Bethesda. Having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people just hanging around this pool waiting for this miraculous thing to happen. The, the lame, uh, the, the blind, the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Once a year, the moving of the water would happen. First one in gets healed. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. That whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to... So straight away, he's throwing off. I used to work in a juvenile justice center, as my friend here does. And the boys would continually throw off. It wasn't me, sir. It was so-and-so. It was that. It was because of this. It was because of that. So this is what this is happening here. Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I was coming, another steps down before me. Bit of a victim mentality almost there. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Go forward. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And this was on the day of the Sabbath. His mindset, his mindset was, I can't go forward. I can't, somebody keeps cutting in on me. And, but he had been turning up religiously every day, waiting for a breakthrough. And Jesus says, rise up in your spirit. Rise up in your spirit. Pick up your mat and walk, son. Go forward. And when he rose on the inside, he was able to work out on the outside of his life, the proposition of a miracle. Everything that this church and everything that you need is in front of you, not behind you. You've got to go forward, precious people. We, God's given us a word and the word is forward. We can't be stymied anymore after three years being isolated, watching church on the TV and being, oh, we've got to be careful about the giving. We can't put too much pressure. Uh, well, I'm sorry, but we have got to go forward. Otherwise, we are going to be stalled, sandbanked, 
and maybe washed up on the rocks. We've got to get this craft sailing again with the, with the sails and with the wind. And we've got to go forward. Who can believe with me for that? Because if we keep trying to preserve our life, the Bible says, we will lose it. Jesus said that. If we try and preserve your life, you're going to lose it. You try and preserve that money, you're going to lose it. But if you give it, and if we give the Lord our loaves and fishes, He can multiply it and we can do extraordinary things, which is, I think is what we want to explain, Jilly. Give Jilly a hand. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand. We are going forward. Amazing. Well, you would see your new brochure um, in your seat in front of you or on your seat. And um, this is exciting. This is us looking forward to the new year ahead. I think we've got some exciting stats to share as well. Um, that this year, um, even in the middle of COVID, even the middle of you know some of the toughest situations, we have actually already reached $170,000 from last year's Vision Builders. This is phenomenal. Would you just stand to your feet? Let's just give God the glory because that is incredible. $170,000 last just, year. That's just vision builders. That's just vision builders. That's not tithes. Yes. That's not tithes, guys. Yes. That's vision builders. Now, we've been able Thanks, to guys. give to Ukraine this year. We've been able to respond to Ukraine in that situation. We've been able to respond to the Northern River's floods. So God works on his feet. And the thing is that we are able to respond. When we have this commitment, when we have this partnership from you, we are able to go, we can do that. We can do that. We can respond. And everyone's bits that come together, they create enough to get out there. Isn't that amazing? Because every part is important. And Absolutely. when we, we are together, when we build together, we can do phenomenal things. Absolutely. And so that is how this church is here today. 25 years, and we'll be celebrating 25 years on, um, on Friday really. night. Well, not 26 yet. Not no. 26 till July 7. So we're still Next. in the... We're still Three in the 25 years. So we're going to celebrate that. It's going to be exciting. It's I'm wonderful. That, I've been pulling out photos and videos, and it's going to be amazing um, to look over that of 25 some years. Of it's pulling Do we really have to show oh, some we'll show all the embarrassing ones, all of the outfits and the hair and the all of it. It's all coming out. Nathan Get ready. When he was about three or something? Yeah, all of it. Everyone. You're all going to be embarrassed. I, I know I had to show Gemma a couple of photos to get approval, but, um, that, you know, I'm not showing any of you. Um, I know Fleur, she just looks fabulous. All She's the time. Nothing's changed. Wonderful 90s outfits yeah, are coming right. out. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, we, we are up to Vision Builders 22, 23. Well done, church, for what we've been able to achieve in this last year. That is absolutely phenomenal. I know other churches have had to, like, spread out their Vision Builders commitment over two years. Right. And when we pulled together the figures and looked at it, it was like the loaves and fish. We went, are you serious? Can you double-check that? Can you double-check that? Oh, my gosh. We reached $170,000. Phenomenal. So we believe that this year we can go for $177,000. Isn't that wonderful? I, I love we'll that do. figure. I, think, we'll do, I yeah. think we will too. It's yeah. going to be, yeah. These breakdowns here are just examples, and you'll find them in your brochure. You can read your brochure at home of all the different things we partner with and the different ways that you can contribute. You can see that ah, many people. That's not actually right, that balance. Oh, that's the I wrong know one. The balance. It's that's 1. the wrong one. Okay. Sorry, that's the wrong slide. We will get the right one up <laughs> next week. Um, the, the slide, the, the um, balance for the mortgage, and the reason I want to bring this to you is because recently we were in a staff meeting and Pastor Phil said something to me that I went, whoa, wait, wait, what did you just say? Because um, we've, we're building for the next generation, right? That's in our heart, is to build a legacy. We're not just thinking about us right now. And something that Pastor Phil said is that he believes that he's, we, we can be debt-free in 10 to 14 years. When I heard that story of um, that Melbourne church that Julie relates to, um, that a businessman approached them and said, what's left on your mortgage? And I think it was about 1.1. Yeah. 
And uh, he said, consider it done. And he paid that church's mortgage off. Now, unless we believe for such things, it won't happen. But I know this, when the little boy's lunch was presented to Jesus and he presented it to the father, 5,000 people were healed. Hmm. Now, if, if we just say, look, man, I can't even spare any lunch. Well, uh, it's, it's a sad day. But, but that little boy said, look, this is what I got. And so there, there will be some will have a way bigger lunchbox. We have uh, a, you know, some people in the church that give quite considerable amounts. And I thank you. Uh, and, but the, the, most of us will just b- do a sacrificial giving. Hmm. It'll be a stretch. Hmm. It'll be something sincere. Uh, but but it'll, it'll be heartfelt. Yeah. And, and they'll get it done. But yeah. this is what I want to say on that. Is that I believe that we can pay the mortgage off sooner than, I think it's 14 years. Yeah. What's happening right now with our mortgage? We started off at 1.2. 1.2. Uh, it's taken about five years yeah. um, to get it down to 1.23 because we've been taking it easy on ourselves with COVID and stuff like that. But now it's starting to come down. So we're it's, just sitting over a mil right now. Uh, over a mil. And whatever, but by this time next year, we will be under 900,000. That's right. So we will be under the mil. Uh, well, under, under the mil. Under the mil, 900,000, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because what's happening... The acceleration of the, right. of the principal is coming down. Yes. As much pr- now, this is the great thing. We have a mortgage with the B- Baptist Financial Services. So the interest we pay is going to a lot of worthy work. It's not going to the four banks. It's going to missions. And it's going to humanitarian aid. Is that good news? Yeah. So what interest yeah, we pay, uh, it, it goes to worthy causes. But as much interest we're paying... We're paying principal, and it's ripping well, down. Actually, it's we're paying to come more down. principal, so we're actually just sitting at fifty-two percent principal, yeah, and forty-eight percent interest, sure. and that's just going to keep going like this. So that's really encouraging, isn't it? Yep. We're going to see that come down, starting to come and down, and we now. believe that as we put cast out this vision right now, yep. which we're doing right now, debt-free in ten to fourteen years. Yes, we believe that God will meet us. Absolutely. We, that's, so that's let's just lift heart. that up, Lord. We just believing. Thank you, Jesus. We cast out the vision right now. Lord God, and we thank you that you see that debt and it is nothing to you, Lord God. And so, God, we believe that you would give us faith to believe debt-free in 10 to 14 years. Amen. Now, they're telling me like a house loan is nearly a million dollars. We've got only a million dollars on 11 acres of property. And And I think it's good to note, too, that the sound equipment that we've had installed recently, the elevation room that we built, cash. We built that all cash. We did that cash. So that's amazing. No more borrowing. No. No, that's amazing. Uh, So some of the other partners that we partner with, um, we've got another slide with all the different partners that we partner with. Pastor Phil, about two weeks ago, you headed to um, Nelson Bay area and you met with one of our partners, Connect Global. So let's just check that out right now. I love these guys there. They're doing such a good work. No rehab program. For many men, the feeling of hopelessness is crippling. The devastating reality of substance abuse affects many lives. That feeling like you're drowning and no one save you. Like you're alone and no one cares. To shut it all out, to find a moment of peace, to block out the world around. Connect Global believes that the Christ-centered approach has assisted many people in living experience, Ross Penn has seen incredible stories of breakthrough and freedom. With a passion to see men living at their highest potential, Ross considers substance abuse to be a symptom of an underlying problem rather than a problem itself. Connect Global, Swan Bay, awesome program of transformation, intervention on uh, you know all the dramas that uh, the lads can get into, but we're so happy and so pleased 
to be able to give um, a small check as a token of support and I just believe it's such a great program guys. I want to give a great big handshake to the Beautiful. main visionary Ross. We appreciate all that you do here. Our church is behind it. Lovely, and uh, people are praying for you guys and Beautiful. for you guys. And can I just show you some of the guys behind us <laughs> that, uh, that are doing the program and they need to be commended. They do. They need to be applauded. We think you do a tremendous job and uh, we just love everything that you do here. Good Thank buddy. You. Thank love you, you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Phil. Good stuff. That's good. Fantastic. I love that. You know, when I look back over the last 25 years and even longer than that, when we first came to the coast, it was 1990, no, 1987, no, 1986. We came to the coast from Sydney because Phil got a job transfer. We were just like normal, everyday people. We were like, you work, I'm raising kids. We had little Jilly and I was pregnant with Jessica and we moved to the coast, feeling like, you know, we're going to find a nice church to go to and we're going to be a nice Christian family. And um, so we were going to church over in uh, Erina in Terrigal and we bought a house in Wyong. We didn't know the areas then when we moved to the coast. We didn't know the different suburbs. And so we bought a house, a lovely little house on the river. We thought this would be a lovely place to raise the kids. And after a few weeks of living there, we started to look around at the people and, you know, the atmosphere of the place and went, what the heck have we done, you know? Why have we bought a house in Wyong? And so we began to talk about how could we move over to Terrigal where all our, you know, our hip friends are, where all the people are more in our socioeconomic class. Where, how can we move over to that place? We're sitting there one day talking about that and there was a knock at the door and it was a girl from our church from Erina. And she said, look, I was just driving through Erina and I got this really strong word from God. I had to drive all the way over to Wyong to tell you. And this is the word. I don't know if it means anything to you. But the Lord says, why should you go looking for a mission field when there's one in your backyard? And so we put aside moving over where it was nice with our friends. And we began to pray for the mission field that was in our backyard. You know what astounds me? It astounds me that God just uses ordinary people. You know, we are so ordinary, Phil and I. We're just ordinary family. So we just began to pray. We began to pray, God, would you please send someone to Wyong to plant a church? Lord Jesus, you've got someone in your mind. And, you know, for 10 years we walked the streets of Wyong and prayed and did 40-day fasts on water that God would come and he would do something miraculous in this place. We saw, we looked around us, we saw the oppression of the people. You know, the Word of God says God looks from heaven and he sees the hearts of his people and his heart breaks for them. You know, he cries over them, he hears the cries of his people. He hears them. And we're in Wyong, we're hearing the cries of the people and we're saying, God, send someone to this place, please, Lord, to plant a church and we'll support it and we'll do everything we can. And I'll never forget the day that God just turned around and pointed his big finger at us. And we both, like, Phil was like Aaron, you know, it's like, uh, like Moses, like, no, don't send me. I can't even speak. You know, send my brother, Aaron. He's much better. And I'm like, I don't want to plant a church. I know what churches do. They get sheep bite. And all the sheep will come and bite me. And I've got rejection issues already. And I don't need that stuff in my life. And, um, you know, and I said to Phil, please, Phil, we'll buy a tent and we'll travel around Australia and we will evangelize. And we don't have to plan a church and be responsible for people. 
But God just kept pointing his finger at us, and everywhere we would go, there would be prophecies. You know, we would be pulled out. You know, the kids would just say, can we just sit right at the back so no one sees us? Because everywhere we go, they go, that family there, you know, come out. And they would prophesy over us that you're called to full-time ministry. What are you doing mucking around? Answer the call of God. It was that obvious. And we eventually just had to answer that call. We had to answer the call. You know, there comes a time where you realize I'm a normal, ordinary person. But if I'm just obedient to God, what can God do through me? I may not have much to give like the little boy with the loaves and fishes, but God, what I do have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. And then what can God do with that which you give him? We gave him our lives. We, we put our children on the altar of a church and, and cried out, God, please protect our children. Don't let our children get beat up by church life. Every one of our children is still loving God to this day and our grandchildren and serving God because God is faithful. So I'm astounded to this day, 25 years later after planting this church, I am still astounded that God can use everyday normal people. But all we have to do is just step out. Moses was just a normal person just a normal guy. They're all just normal guys. They're not superheroes. They're just people that said yes to God. And then they watched as God was able to work through their obedience and work through them just saying yes, a simple yes to God. You know, prophecy started to come through to our church. And if you could just put that um, screen up there of the lighthouse that Julie so beautifully uh, did in this brochure. We should have that screen of the lighthouse. No, lighthouse. <laughs> yep, off the brochure. Yep, all right. So look in your brochure, open it up, and you'll see a page there of the lighthouse. Because this was a prophetic vision that Jilly got. After years and years of hearing what God was saying to our church, and this is like a light on a hill. You are a light on a hill, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know what? When God comes to a place prophetically, when he comes and he says, this is my will, there's no way you can hide it. You can't hide it under a bushel. You can't hide it because God is has turned up. And people would prophesy of us, you're going to be a light on a hill. And then out from this place, there will flow rivers. And the the scripture that we would always get was the, the scripture out of Ezekiel 47, the river of God. And, and that scripture in Ezekiel 47, it talks about how the river starts, the angel of the Lord led me to a river, and the river starts out ankle deep. And then the, the angel of the Lord left me a, a bit further and it came knee deep. And then the angel of the Lord led me a bit further and it was waist deep. And then the angel of the Lord led me a bit further and then it was so deep that we were out of control, that God had taken over. And you know what? Those, that scripture has been prophesied, light on the hill, the river of God over our church for years and years and years and years and years. And I want to say this to you. We have seen the fruit of that over the years, but we have not seen anything compared to what we're about to see in these days we live in right now. I believe God is about to reveal himself and these prophetic words will come to pass in ways that we never dreamed and never imagined because God is going to use ordinary people like you. God is going to use ordinary people like us to bring his will to earth. And I don't see anything more exciting in life than doing that. Amen? Amen? You know, many, many years ago, I'd say 20, I think it's 28 years ago. This is even before we started our church. This is when we're praying for this 
We're praying for someone to come. We're fasting. We're praying. The presence of God is in our house every day. We're living for him. You know, we're believing for him. And there comes this knock at the door. And I opened the door and there was a girl standing there that I knew had been a friend with, with uh, one of my sisters. And she was standing there with a black eye. And I said to her, she said to me, we've just down the road, my husband and I and the little kids in the car and we've run out of petrol. And we are wondering if you could lend us $10. You know, and the Spirit of God comes on an ordinary person. Do you know what I'm saying? An ordinary person looks at a woman standing there with a black eye and an ordinary person says, I'll give you $10 if you tell me what happened to your eye. And so she says, bursts out crying and says, well, you know, my husband had a bit of a spin out because we're doing hard drugs and we're on our way to score and we didn't have enough money for petrol to get the the score and so he's freaking out because he's having withdrawals I said where's your husband he's in the car up the street Phil go get him so Phil walks up the street he gets the husband out of the car you come into our house today gets the kids out of the car you come into our house today we bring that family into our house we sit them in our in our dining room and we begin to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. We begin to share with them that they don't have to live like this. Not one more day do they have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. And so they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we spent the next four hours praying praying and releasing them of evil spirits, drug, drug addiction. They were delivered. I mean, Lee, the husband was so delivered that we had to actually put our dining room chair outside for two weeks that the smell of demons on it was so strong. That's how much he got delivered in a moment in time. And you think, well, that's beautiful, Pastor Julie. That's so lovely. Look, just have a little look at, 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 at Peter because she gave her testimony online this week at another church at Sunshine, on the Sunshine Coast. So for me personally, 28 years ago, I was a raging drug addict and I actually ran out of petrol around the corner from a pastor's house. Her name's Julie Oldfield. Uh, and I went down to her house, knocked on her door and, and just asked for $10 to put in my car for petrol. But um, as I asked that, she actually, I had a black eye at the time. I was in a shocking relationship who I'm now married to the guy and he's amazing, but at that time it was a bad thing. Anyway, um, as, I, as I asked for $10, she asked me what happened to my eye and I burst into tears and she brought me inside. And that day the dunamis power of God actually transformed our lives, both of our lives. We both, both my husband and myself, ended up there, gave our lives to Jesus, got totally set free. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Hello. We discipled the, that couple in our, you know, we pioneered the church. They came with us to pioneer the church and we discipled them for a few years and then they bought a tent. <laughs> And went around Australia and started preaching the gospel, which they have been doing now for the last 26 years. This is a recent photo of that couple in an Aboriginal community bringing hundreds of kids to Jesus and baptising them that day. You know, we talk about being forward and we talk about going forward and vision builders and, and giving our finances, but you don't know, you just don't know. Like I didn't know 28 years ago when I ministered to that couple that today they would be affecting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. They've done the Reinhard Bonnke Evangelism School and those guys are affecting, I'm telling you, so many lives. But because God uses ordinary people, but we don't know what he's going to do with that. 
as those rivers go out from that lighthouse and they start to touch other areas and they start to touch different places, as the rivers go out from this church and we start to look at locations and, and how, as Pastor Phil said, the media, how can, we get, how can we get the gospel out through the media? We get into schools, we get into homes, but also personally, you know, what, what can we do with this gospel? And a little while ago, I was in a supermarket and I saw this elderly lady. She's just looking at me. You can put that photo of, of my friend up now. And she's just looking at me and she's watching me walk around the shopping center and I can see she's just got eyes on me. And every aisle I went into, she seemed to follow me. And I thought, okay, hang on. Maybe this is another opportunity where God's going to use an ordinary person to bring something of hope to another human being. So I slowed down and I began to hear the voice of God. And I'm, I'm there at the cucumbers, just playing with the cucumbers really, just waiting for this lady to approach me because I knew she was going to. And she just walked up next to me. She said, hello. And I said, hello. She said, I've been watching you. And I said, oh, have you? And she said, yes, there's something about you. And I just, do you know, I'm, I'm, I don't get to talk to very many people. You know, I'm, I'm 96 and, you know, I don't, I don't get to go out that much. And when I do, I see people that seem kind and I want to have a conversation. And I said, well, I've got all the time in the world. So let's talk, you know, because sometimes you just got to slow down and just be there. Do you know what I mean? Like I had shopping to do, I had dinner to cook, I had appointments I had to get to, but this was a divine appointment. See, we don't know what God can do through ordinary people when we just say yes to him and move forward. And so she, she began to talk to me. She said, well, I don't get to talk to very many people. And, and we got in this big conversation. And then finally she said, do you know, I'm really afraid to die with all this COVID stuff around and that. I'm not scared of COVID. I'm not actually scared of dying. I'm scared of what's going to happen to me after I die because I'm not actually sure of where I'm going. And, and she said, and this fear grips me. It's like anxiety comes on me and I get really anxious about it. And so I began to share with her the gospel of Jesus Christ, how if she believed in Jesus, absolutely she would go straight to heaven. There would be no fear or pain in her death. She would close her eyes. Jesus would come and get her and she would be with him forever. She's crying, standing at the cucumbers, just saying, I want this. Will you help me? I want this so much. And so I led her to the Lord by the cucumbers, this 96-year-old woman, and, and the, the presence of God that came into that space right at that moment. See, there was a, a moment there that God had written. And when we say yes to God, what we actually do is we position ourselves in these divine opportune moments. When we say yes to God, God takes an ordinary person and he shone his light down on that old lady, this beautiful lady who I totally fell in love with immediately and on me and his presence came. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? She said the sinner's prayer. Then I, I said, do you mind if I put my hand on you? She said, no, not at all. Please do. And I just right there stand. I said, Lord, let, your, let her feel your presence. Let, let fear lift off her. Let her never again be afraid. And she said, oh, I feel this warmth going through my body. It feels all warm. And I said, that's the love of God. And then she opened her eyes and she said, guess what? I am not afraid anymore. I can go and be with Jesus. If I die tomorrow, I'll be with Jesus. I mean, do you know, that was in January 2021. At 96 years old, she might already be there. I don't know. But I, I never put things on Facebook about you know, when you're just witnessing to people and they're personal things, you know. But the Holy Spirit said to me, put it on Facebook. And I said, oh, okay. So I put it on Facebook with a little story of our conversation. 
And later that day, I got an inbox in Messenger and it was from one of her relatives, one of her grandchildren actually. And she said, we read this, our family, I've sent it to all my family members, we're all Christians and we've been praying for Nan for years and years and years and years and we couldn't get her to understand the gospel. She said, and we just can't tell you how amazing it is that you have brought her to the Lord and we want to thank you with all of our hearts that this is a generational blessing that's going to flow right through our family. Do you know what I mean? Like, what can God do with our yes? You know, these are just a couple of my stories. What can God do with our yes? You know, we look around the last few years and we see, you know, there's just so much going on and we just go, and, and sometimes hopelessness can get a hold of us and we want to pull back. We just go, what's the use? We want to pull back. But I'm telling you this, yesterday, just yesterday morning, as I was praying for Katrina and Roger's wedding, I was sitting there praying, got up early in the morning to pray, and I had a picture of a desert. And it was a barren place. It was a rocky desert. And in the midst of this desert, I saw these buds start to just go boof out and, and begin to flourish out of that ground. And I, I went up and told Phil, I said, this is what I just saw. And Phil said, oh, so that's the crocus plant you're talking about. It's the only plant that will grow in a desert. And I looked up the, the um, I, I did some Google searching on the crocus plant. And what happens with the crocus plant is when there's a time of real barrenness and dryness, it's not that nothing is happening. It's just nothing is happening on the surface but the crocus plant is putting roots down deep in this raggy, you know, dry ground. It's putting its roots down deep underneath the surface where no one can see it's happening. And then the latter rains come. They talk about the latter rains coming, especially in places like Israel. And the latter rain comes and it hits the ground. And as soon as it hits the ground, kaboom. And suddenly the whole desert looks like this. This beautiful plant just covers the whole desert. And I, I, was, I was looking at this scripture in um, Isaiah 35, 1 to 2. And it says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon, and they will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. And I truly believe that, you know, all the years that God has spoken into us as a people, that God has spoken into this church, I believe we're about to see fruit, and the fruit will be this. Ones like yourselves that seemingly have been under the surface, maybe hidden for such a time as this, maybe gone through trials and tribulations, and you feel like this is like a desert time in my life. But suddenly, the latter rain will come. And you will break forth from that hard ground and you will begin to be that ordinary person that starts to have an effect on other people's lives that will have a, a, an effect that will go out like a ripple effect that will go out to other people and to other people and to other people and to other people. Because I truly believe that the Lord is about to reveal His glory in His people, in His church when we just say yes, when we just move forward, when we just put our hand to the plow, get our finances out, sow them into the best soil that you could possibly sow them into, which is the kingdom of God, and watch lives be touched. There is no, like one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand in heaven. And I said this to my friend that I met in Coles. I said, the next time I see you, maybe when we're in heaven together, 
I said, but would you be there when I get there? Would you, would you stand there at the gate when I'm coming in? Will you be there too? And she said, I would be honoured to do that. I wonder how many will meet you at the gate. Maybe you haven't verbally been able to reach people, but you've put your finances to the work of the Lord. And then the finances go to a place like Global Impact. And then a man gets pulled out of jail and says, you can finish your sentence in this rehab centre. And that man's life is turned around. He gets a revelation of the father heart of God. He's able then to be taught to father his own children, to be a husband to his wife and to be in the community again. Because you planted a seed in his life that you might never know about until you get to that space in heaven when that man's going to run up to you, Sharon, and he's going to say, Sharon, you know, because you gave to that vision builders, because you sowed your seed, you know, I am here in heaven right now with my whole family. I never went back to jail. I never went back to drugs. I lived my life for the glory of God. And I've got all these people that I've witnessed to and all these people that have come to Christ because of the seed that you sow. That's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. What can God do with an ordinary person that just says yes to God? Pastor Phil and I, we're just ordinary people. But every morning we get up, we say yes again. Every morning we get up, we say yes again. People say, you should be retiring. You're getting too old. You know, why don't you just give it a miss? You could buy a caravan and travel around Australia. You know, and we just get up in the morning and we say yes again. And we say, Lord, as long as these legs are walking and this body's moving, we're going to continue to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. As long as we have breath in our bodies, God, we're going to continue to sow your kingdom because we know, God, your promises are yes and amen. amen. And we will see the fruit amen. of every promise that God has ever given to us. Awesome. Um, the caravan notion sort of carried a little bit of weight years ago, Not for especially me. when I was under a lot of pressure. Please God. But Please God. It's, it's too I'll exciting. I'll never be a brain nomad. I'm going to keep dyeing my this hair is, till the end. This is too exciting. Taking ground, being invited back to Global Connection, which we are, our church, they want us to pray for them. Now, Ross Penn has a vision to uh, basically rescue these guys from the jail system, put them in this space where there's grace and where he can teach them about, and he's got a revelation of the Father heart of God, because the stats are a lot of men are in jail worldwide because of the fatherlessness, amen? Because of the broken, who's that guy? Sam Fender writes that song, Tearjerker. I can only listen to that song once. It's, what's it called? Um, there's a line in it. I can, t- I can speak to anyone, but I can't speak to you. And he writes a song about his own father. He says, why is it? I can speak to anyone, but I can't speak to my own father. Oh, it's such a tearjerker. Jesse, you set me up. You said, listen to this song, Dad. I think you'll like it. And um, so that is what I love about the program. And I love the God, the God factors all through that program. We actually want to support it more. That was almost like a token gesture to say, we are, what Ross is saying, would you pray for us? Yes, the finances we need, but would you pray for us? So, but um, listen, I just do want to do a little bit of logistical stuff here. Uh, we're coming to the end of the financial year. If you've made a commitment of this previous, uh, this financial year, there is time to still get your commitment in if you made a commitment last year. I rang two ladies up that had to leave our church uh, for work reasons, I, I contacted them through Facebook. I said, just saying that our Vision Builders is still open and uh, if, you, if you want to give to that. And they both of them said, you're doing such a great work. We see it on Facebook. Uh, yes, we're both in. We're both in. Two ladies, we're both in. Uh, skin in the game. So, yes, uh, I want you to come to the gala with a faith. Why do we dress up? It's going to be cocktail dress going to dress up because we haven't been dressing up a lot for three years. We're going to come because giving to the Lord is a noble thing. It's a classy thing to do. And when we do this, we do it unto the Lord. And we dress up 
as the king's kids and we come and give our best sacrificial offering to the building of God's church. Now, prophetically, I want to say to you, we've got so much abating, so much out there, controversy about the church. Uh, are we going to give up on the church, guys? And, and, and maybe join up with Anthony Robbins. Maybe that's a safer option because uh, he, he can talk about vision and principles to live by. And No, Jesus said, I will build my church and no matter whatever happens, the gates of Hades will not prevail. And anyone that is, you know, toe in that line, you will be supernaturally enhanced. Miracles are in store for you, sir, for your healing. And breakthrough in your business, breakthrough, breakthrough. And this year, Julie and I doubled our offering because we were able to. We sold an investment property. And Julie said, well, we're going to give out of that investment property. You know that. I said, okay, well, let's do it. We gave sacrificially. And, um, and of course, the stamp duty, which should have been 20, if the accountant returns this call to me, it looks like you guys are going to be up for 26,000 stamp duty. 26,000. I mean, I'd like not to. And uh, so I started to go through all the receipts again and started to compile this case. And because uh, she was flat chat like all accountants are. And, and then three months later, she comes back to me a little bit nervous. And I'm going, oh, here we go. Like it's probably 22,000 instead of 26. She says, Phil. I think I've got some good news for you. You owe the tax department $2,300. I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Because that money is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The whole shebang, He owns it. And we By faith, we are being taken out of eternity and we've been placed into this zone called time where we get to exercise and be a steward of our life and resources and we do according to what God has placed on our heart and we give by faith. Now, when we get to heaven, I'm not sure how much faith is going to hold up, but there will be a faith dimension. But you certainly... Once you're in heaven, you go, oh my God, dear God, you're going to have the whole lot. (laughs) It's like that. But here it is a test. Where your treasure is, your heart is. You got to get some of those chips and you got to move them into the kingdom. Because there's a fear thing happening on the planet where everyone's going, I haven't got enough. The electricity's going up. No. Begin to live out the supernatural economy of God in your life. Men. I know you have a high propensity to protect your family from adversity, including the financial market. But can I tell you this? The most best thing you can do is place your faith in God as Jehovah Jireh, and He will provide every need that you have as you give to what belongs to Him, the power of the tithe, I call it, but you give over and above that, and that's what we call sowing and reaping. The tithe belongs to Him. There's no, that, there's no argument there. That belongs to you. But the sowing in Vision Builders, that's where we return a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing. In fact, the accountant ringing up saying, you don't owe, owe 26000 you owe 2300 what does that sound like? Well, thank you, man. I'm rejoicing. This is the best day. I'm hugging Julie. I'm romancing Julie now. I'm taking her out for dinner. And so, Father, I pray this from that story where that cripple was hanging around that pool, hanging around that church waiting for a miracle. And he's throwing, oh, no, nothing ever happens to me. No miracles ever happen to me, Jesus. You know, if only someone would pick me up and get me into that miracle. Well, Jesus says to that person, and he says to us, arise. Let's all stand. Arise. I declare that you are arising in your spirit to believe for a future and a hope in God that you are arising personally on a personal scale for your family, for your marriage, for your business, for that which you need in your life, your health. I am praying in Jesus' name that you are arising. Unless you arise in your heart, you cannot go forward. And Jesus says to the cripple, arise, take your mat and walk and go forward. We're going through that Red Sea. 
of adversity and controversy and everything that is assailing the church and Red Seas open. And guess what? They didn't walk through the mud. They walked through dry ground. That's the supernatural component of that story. Man, the sea's opening, that's supernatural. But to walk through on dry ground, they didn't have to go, oh, we have to wait for this to dry. No. And they walked through on dry ground and left behind all the enemy. And the water, you know, caved in on the enemy, the horses and chariots and the enemies, the disillusionment, the depression, the addictions, everything that is assailing us and trying to follow us through that Red Sea. We declare that the Red Seas are caving in and destroying the enemy of our soul. We declare despairing spirit is being annihilated, is being taken out off our life. Spirit of disillusionment, spirit of controversy is coming off us. A spirit of doubt, a spirit of of doubt is coming off us. And we declare right now that our spirit is arising and shining. Oh God, your glory. Your glory is here now. So Father, we pray for the gala this Friday, 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. We've got some special guest speakers, got some surprises every which way. Please dress up, come in a noble spirit, come with a noble heart to give unto the house, give unto the Lord. Jesus, let faith arise in this heart, in this house, and in our hearts to go forward. And I pray this. Can we just sing a song for, are we gonna sing something? I'd love it if we could.